Hello and welcome to the Ahead of the Game podcast. Hi there, welcome to today's show. Um, we've got our Head of Sports, Stuart Weir, and Group Sports writer Scott Mullen today with me, Alistair McKenzie. Uh, lots to talk about, another busy weekend. Um, before we get going, I just want to mention quickly that we've got Transfer Deadline Day coming up in a couple of days, and we've set up a special Snapchat account for that, so... If you use that app, you can search as HT slash sports and you can get updates throughout the day. Um, Right, on to business. Uh, We'll start with Kilmarnock against Rangers, which is a Friday night game. Um, I feel like we're kind of repeating ourselves a bit here, but again, it wasn't a 19-minute performance that Warburton was wanting them to produce. It was barely a 45-minute performance that Mark Warburton was wanting them to produce. Uh, Graham McGarry and I sat, in, <laughs> sat in here on Friday and didn't give Kilmarnock a hope in hell. Um, I messaged them halfway through the first half and just, oops. Um, no, Kilmarnock, I mean, first of all, let's point out Kilmarnock were, were a lot better than what probably anybody that had seen them this season could have anticipated. Um, they were sharp to the ball, they were competitive. Um, Chris Boyd is turning into a sprinter he must be inspired by the Olympics the way you get by Clint Hill who looks as if he was pulling a horse and cart um, but let, let's also be honest that Rangers were certainly for the first 45 minutes were very very poor uh, Mark Warburton said as much he said it was the, the worst 45 minutes that he's seen from his team um, second half they improved slightly but only just um, and to be honest they, they laboured to a 1-1 draw with a Kilmarnock team that were down to, nine, they were down to 10 men um, after a shocking sending off, so no, Rangers were, um, were were far from great again, and there remains more questions than answers about this Rangers team, who are now they're now one game off, or they're now going into an old firm game, where they're going to face a high flying Celtic team that that really, if if they catch Rangers on, on the wrong day, it could get embarrassing for them. And they still don't have a clean sheet this season either. Do you think, Stuart, that, I mean, you kind of joke there about Clint Hill pulling the horse and cart, but for Chris Boyd to kind of cut the line he did through their defence, it is a worrying <laughs> sign, isn't it? Yeah, very worrying. There, there are certain players that you would expect to, to race through and go. Chris Boyd wouldn't be in your top ten starters. Um, but that's what he managed to do. And Rangers, Rangers are struggling. They're toiling just now. You know, uh, I said on Friday night on uh, on Twitter that uh, Rangers were unbeaten but unconvincing. Um, one or two people took exception to that. Um, I, I can't really see. No, I can't really see why. Because I, again, Kilmarnock. If you look at last season, Kilmarnock won a flag in the last day of the season for being the best placed eleventh. You know, in the league team in in, in Scotland. Um, they're not. Um, they, they've completely revamped their squad. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I've lost count of how many players have either, sh- you know, shoved out the door or, or brought in um, over the summer, uh, and they're still in a sort of transition period. And for them to come out on Friday night and hold Rangers to a draw, I think actually maybe shows you more about where Rangers are. I think one or two Rangers fans as well are asking the question um, of one or two members of the, the the Rangers personnel that have been brought in. You know. Clint Hill for, for, for one. I think another one um, is Joey Barton. I think one or two people. I mean, if you watch them last year playing in the English Championship for Burnley, you know, they're player of the season. He was outstanding. I don't really think he's found his feet in, in Glasgow yet. Really good piece in the Herald, a comment piece uh, by Neil Cameron today. You know, Barton must up his game and quickly. And, and Neil questions, you know, 
what must Halliday be wondering if he keeps watching Joey Barton for, you know, performing like this and getting selected ahead of him? I think one or two Rangers fans are thinking the same thing. Rangers have lost the momentum and drive that they had last season in the midfield. And I know people could say that, well, that wasn't the, the, you know, the, the, the second tier of Scottish football. But Rangers have been playing the likes of Hamilton Ackies, playing Dundee, playing Motherwell, playing Kilmarnock. And those are teams that you would th think are actually in the bottom half of uh, the, the top tier in Scottish football. And they've been really unconvincing. And I think, you know, Clint Hill saying we must find a way to hit the ground running at Celtic Park. They must find a way of hit the ground running no, at least four games ago. And it just hasn't been there. Do you think it is time that Mark Warburton change things up a bit then in terms of personnel or formation is is there anything obvious that's stuck out as to what the, 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 well the defence is, is, is the glaring thing you know he's brought in Joe Garner um, up front in an area that I don't really think that, I don't really think it was needed you know the Dodo who fair enough went off injured the other night they've got Kenny Miller who's been scoring goals they've got Martin Waghorn who'll be back soon enough you know there are there are goals in the team going forward that's that defence and I mean Derek Ray uh, the BT Sport commentator and Evening Times columnist said in his column just at the start of the season, Rangers will be lucky, lucky to get into the top four and finish in the top four of this Premiership, and it's because of their defence. And he's right, the defence, the, 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 the defence is just not good enough. Chris Sutton got a bit of bit of attention <laughs> on Friday night for saying their two centre halves are horrendous. Might not go that far, they're horrendous, but they're, they're certainly there's something not right. Um, there's no pace in it, so if they've got somebody that will run at them. They'll get in the fullbacks, especially James Tavernier, pushes so far up. I mean, you mm. saw that. You saw that on on Friday night. I mean, Rangers fans will be familiar with. But on Friday night, he was almost he was pl almost playing through the middle at one point. As Rangers were pushing for a winner for the last ten minutes, he kept. He wasn't even as if he was playing as a, a right winger. He was almost playing as an attacking centre central midfielder. He was so far forward, and it leaves massive gaps. That a better no offence to Kilmarnock, but a better team will punish them, and they they just cannot do that against Celtic. They're, they will have to. They'll have to change their game, the way they play against Celtic, and it will not be, it will not be the same game as Rangers fans saw at Hamden back in April. It will just not be the same. It's not the same Celtic team, um, different manager, slightly different personnel, but a completely different attitude. I know these are changed days, but Rangers fans historically will remember, always remember the great centre backs and defensive combinations that they've had over the years. You know, be that going back to you know. Uh, Terry Butcher and Graham Roberts, or um, you know, Richard Goff and and John Brown, or Lorenzo Amoruso and and Craig Moore and the likes, and just now, if you were you know comparing the guys who are there currently to any of those uh, sort of pairings, they just just don't come anywhere near it, and I think that's that's something is a worry for Rangers fans because again, you go far enough back, Graham Souness, if if you if you Defensively, if you get it right, and, and Walter Smith was a you know very pragmatic as well. If you get it right defensively, you only need one goal to win a match. And as it stands just now, Rangers are needing two goals or even three goals to try and to try and win a game. It's just not good enough. Well, one man they came quite close to bringing in in order to kind of shape up their defence was Julian Lescott, and so this morning we found out that he's. He's moved to AEK Athens, which I think took a few of us family reasons. Yeah, get, bring <laughs> them closer. Yeah. If, so, if, if, if the guy says that he's done it for family reasons, then yeah, okay, that's what you're saying, uh, and and I and I believe you. Okay, if Rangers say it's for other reasons, fine. You have to take you have to take everything at face value. 
Um, obviously, Rangers went offering Julian Lescott enough money to actually come to Glasgow, and at, at, late in the day, he had second thoughts. You see, there's a number of people saying, well, the, the, Rangers, the Rangers medical is obviously more stringent than the AEK Athens. Uh, I don't want to give it anybody a history lesson, but Rangers once did actually uh, perform a medical on John Hartson and found various things that were a bit dodgy with John Hartson, who then went on to score goals galore for Celtic for the next four seasons. So I don't hold, you know, I don't think that holds much water. Um, he obviously had his reasons for, first of all, coming to Glasgow, and secondly, not coming to Glasgow. Uh, and the fact he's turned up, you know, playing in Greece, um, probably with um, getting paid maybe twice as much as he would have done in Glasgow, I think says it all. Maybe it's maybe we've misinterpreted the family reasons. Maybe it wasn't far away enough from the wife. He's one of he's one of he's one of at least a good few hours away. But but, but going back again, uh, I, I don't want to sort of go over old ground here. But Rangers are still looking for a centre back, and we're still in the situation of having Philippe Senderos kicking around in the background, wondering whether he's going to get a contract or an offer's going to be made. We're two days away from the transfer window. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if suddenly a late offer came in from him elsewhere, given that he's been training for you know, the best part of two weeks. And, and, and he, you know, he decided, well, Rangers, you've had your chance. I'm not hanging about here any longer. I'm going somewhere else. I also don't know if he's the answer. I don't know if he's, yeah. if he's, he's the pacey centre-half that they're looking for that's just going to be a bit no-nonsense, a bit commanding for me. He, he's... He's possibly, he's certainly probably better than than the Danny Wilson or maybe Rob Keenan, but and he can certainly probably be quicker than Clint Hill. But is he going to is he going to provide a solid enough base uh, to anchor that defence that's going to stop a Lee Griffiths or Scott Sinclair? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's that kind of player. And to, just to touch on there, what Stuart said. If he was to leave and go somewhere else, you couldn't really blame him because he's been in there for what the best part of two or three yeah. weeks. Yeah. Unless there's been negotiations going on and it's just trying to sort personal terms, Rangers have had the opportunity to to go out, to go out and get him. And to, to be honest, if they've been, it was clear that Lescott was their first choice, it's now looking as if maybe Senderos isn't even their isn't even their second choice. You can you could forgive him for thinking, you know, is, is this is this really the right move for me? I mean, I've been told I've been told that that, that Rangers. Are looking or were looking at a centre half to bring him in on loan from a London club. Um, I, I, I don't think I've been able to put two and two together on that one yet and come up with a, an answer. But the closer it gets to Wednesday in the deadline, the the more it's going to be urgent for Rangers to move and move quickly. A couple of days to go then for Rangers. Um, we'll move on to Celtic now. They they beat Aberdeen four one at Parkhead. So obviously last season's top two facing off. Um, suggestions that Aberdeen, uh, they didn't really deserve the scoreline, but Celtic are just that clinical in front of goal now. They, they probably didn't. If you actually look at it, 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 when they went down to 10 men and conceded a penalty, um, and then Celtic scored another through uh, Rogic in the last minute, it, it puts a bit of, a kind of icing on the cake. The fact of the matter is that Celtic were still... The dominant side um, and a four-one-one, however it comes, always looks good in paper. Uh, I, I said it often enough last season. If Aberdeen are to have any ambition of ruling in Celtic or challenging Celtic long term, they have to be winning games against Celtic, be it at Patodre and especially at Celtic Park. For me, they just didn't look as if they were coming close to that. And Celtic, Celtic looked apart again on. Uh, on Saturday, people wondering if they were going to have some sort of European uh, hangover either from the travel or from the game uh, in Israel. 
didn't even it didn't even apply on Saturday. Celtic were, were well on top and deserved the win. The um, major talking point that came from that really was Doris DeVries starting in goal ahead of uh, Craig Gordon. Do you think, um, from what you saw, is, is he likely to maintain that place in the team or do you think it's just to give them all a chance to show what they can do? I, I think it's a major thing that he was playing in Saturday. I think, I think that, that's a major... A major marker has been set down from Brendan Rodgers, right, rightly or wrongly. Um, he's he's wanted to bring in Doris DeVries. Um, he, he's spoken about how he's good with the ball at his feet. There was a few dodgy kickouts on Saturday as well. Yeah. One, one that went straight to Kenny McLean and could, could have really been punished. Um, if, I, if I was Craig Gordon, I would be getting concerned because Celtic's next game is the old firm game. Next game after that is in the new camp against Barcelona. You couldn't have thrown a goalkeeper in at the old firm game who's never who's never caught a ball before. I I, I think the fact that he played he played De Vries on Saturday is it's almost like changing the guard. Mm-hmm. I think I think now uh, and I feel sorry for Craig Gordon. I don't think I don't think he's really done much wrong. I thought I think he's been excellent since he's since he's gone to Celtic. Yeah, there was the the cock up over in over in Israel, but I think you can as much blame Sadie Yanko for that than anything else. Um, but no, I think it is quite significant that uh, that De Vries was picked on Saturday, um, and I, I I would fully expect him to be lining up against Rangers in just over a week or certainly a week on Saturday, and then after that I expect him to be in the goal between um, between the sticks against Barcelona. I said I said a week ago um, I wouldn't have been surprised had De Vries been brought in for the game. Um, the, the the SPFL game and then had played in Israel as it as it turned out um, that wasn't the case but again as, as Scott points out um, Brendan Rodgers has put down a real marker here because Aberdeen are the team who have challenged Celtic um, you know over the last couple of seasons this wasn't this wasn't Celtic um, with all due respect playing Partick Thistle or Celtic playing Kilmarnock or Celtic playing Hamilton Rackies this was Celtic up against Aberdeen and he chose this game to pitch De Vries in for his, for his debut ok it might have suited him because it's a big atmosphere a big crowd there's also big risks and big stakes against a, a team like Aberdeen uh, and, and as Scott rightly says you have to think that if he's done this um, for this this kind of game an important league match um, against Aberdeen the next game up is the old firm game and the one after that is we're in the Champions League I don't really see him switching back again after after already making this move I don't see him um, you know going back to, to Craig Gordon having having made the switch already but doesn't sound like he was really tested an awful lot in the Aberdeen game and the, the reason of bringing him in to use his feet if he's not impressed too much with his feet do you think there was no chance for Gordon. He was, he was fully. Brendan was full, full of praise by all accounts from what I've read in the papers and spoke to the guys of the reasons the performance. The the, the observation that he's kicking at times wasn't great. It's more it's more my own and what I've seen of the highlights and what I've seen clips of the clips of the game. Throw, throw, for me, throwing him in against Aberdeen wasn't as much of a wasn't as much with the thinking of let's see him, let's test him against, let's see what he's like against Aberdeen and, and Celtic's biggest rivals. It's, it, for me, it's more of sending out a message than anything else. It, it, regardless of what of who Celtic were playing at the weekend, they could have been playing Hamilton Ackes or they could have been playing Kilmarnock. I think De Vries would have played regardless who it was, mm. purely because he needed to make sure that if he's going to change things, you can't change it for an old firm game. You need to bed somebody in before that, and I think that's why he did it. Um, Scott, on Saturday you were at Motherwell. Uh, nil nil draw with Dundee doesn't sound like it was the most exciting game. Okay, of the we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you got what you wanted though with a Chris Cadden call up. Yes, it just shows <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah, if you yeah, bang yeah. your drum loud enough and stamp <laughs> your feet, things, things the magic does happen. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted for Chris. Um, wasn't the only one. I mean, Mark McGee was was um, certainly not happy and was un- was disappointed for him on, on Thursday, talking about Chris Cadnall getting called up into the Scotland Under-21 squad. A couple of the players on Saturday that spoke to the press were saying the same. There was a massive reaction in social media. Um, and oh, Thankfully for Chris and thankfully for the Under-21s, um, there was a place came up for him yesterday. Um, I spoke to him on the phone last night and he was absolutely over the moon, delighted. Even if it meant he couldn't go to Keith Lasley's barbecue. Um, no bad thing, I have to no, say. No. Uh, um, <laughs> Probably saved himself. <laughs> um, so, Do you think for Motherwell the international breaks may be coming at a good time in terms of getting players back from injury? And Yes, certainly. I mean, we thought that Louis Moult would be back in time for the weekend. Um, he's been running all last week, but he wasn't quite there yet. So this is another fortnight before Motherwell got to Dingwall uh, on September 10th uh, to face Ross County. So I fully expect him to be back for then. Stevie Hamill was in the bench yesterday. Uh, yesterday, sorry, it was Stevie Hamill was on the bench on Saturday. Um, he's in for a fight to get back in now because Joe Chalmers, who was brought in as a backup to him, was excellent at Ibrox, was was sturdy enough again on Saturday. So, uh, from that point of view, they will get players back in. But the the, the Muddle, there was positive signs from Muddle for Saturday. They played really well at Ibrox against Rangers. Were unlucky and Saturday, lot of possession, lot of creativity in the first half. Um, a lot of flashpoints. I mean, Chris Cadden get man of the match, quite rightly so, from a motherwell point of view. Um, then Dundee came into the game a little bit in the second half. So Mark was Mark was happy enough to end in a positive note going into the international break. Although I'm sure he would have appreciated another two points. I think that was you with your billboard saying "Vote Cadden." <laughs> <laughs> um, so elsewhere, Partick Thistle got beaten two one by Hearts um, at Fairhill. So that's two wins in a row now for Hearts. They seem to have got their season up and running now. Um, there's been a bit of a reaction to this that John Souter's performances is, have, can, perhaps should be earning him a senior Scotland call-up at some time in the near future. Would you agree with that, given our current options in that position? I think that at some point in the future he might well get a call-up. Um, I think anyone who has uh, a, a granny who has a tin of Walker shortbread in her cupboard and a Cairn Terrier as a pet might end up getting a Scottish call up very shortly. I, I, I think uh, we are, you know, we are really lacking in talent. We are bereft in some areas for um, certain players and key players. Um, and, and, and again, I think Hearts might have might have won a watch in terms of um, bringing in Tony Watt this season. He's a guy who really has something to prove. Um, you know, he will be forever remembered for the goal he scored against Barcelona for Celtic. Um, but it's been a real millstone on his neck, if you ask me. Um, and I think that he, he popped up on Saturday with the winner will only help his confidence, and will also, you know, will have the Hearts management thinking that we're on the right way here, on the right route. In terms of. Aberdeen, Hearts, Rangers, there's they've all kind of had different starts to the season. Do you think that it'll be a battle for second place among those mm. three? And if so, who do you think's impressed you so far? At the, at the moment, at the three of them, I would say say Hearts are the are the form team out of the three of them. You know the the the, the great result last weekend um, and going to for Hill is not, is not an easy place to go. And by all accounts, they had a good few chances as well. Um, from reading um, reading Stuart Fisher's piece in the Herald today. Um, 
they seem to be impressing well. John Souter at centre half seems to be a revelation. Seems to be doing really well, and I think I think Stuart's right. I think he can expect a call up at some point because not only are we, are we lacking in centre halves at international level, but we're also lacking in young centre mm-hmm. halves at international level. You know, um, you just have to look at Gordon Greer to, to, to know that. Um, the only problem I would have with him is that if he was playing, if he was playing alongside a, a, a centre half, for instance, like. David Weir or Colin Calderwood or Tom Boyd or Colin Henry or somebody of that ilk who could coach him and, and, and nurse him through a game, you would say, yeah, let's have a look at this guy. As it stands just now, um, central defence is pretty chaotic for Scotland. Yeah, well, we've got a game coming up this weekend against Malta. We'll be back to do a bit of a preview to that later on in the week as well but before then uh, remember Snapchat's account ht slash sports uh, for deadline day on Wednesday we'll be bringing you lots of uh, breaking transfer news hopefully and otherwise thanks very much Scott Mullen, Stuart Weir and see you next time thanks for listening to Ahead of the Game we'll see you again next time